This is Wayfaring Weston, Episode 1, Spider-Man in Sydney. Let's cue that accordion. Good day to you all. This is Paul Weston with Wayfaring Weston. Today I want to take a little bit to talk about my visit to Sydney, Australia and the Spider-Man that I saw there. That'll make sense here later on, but to start off, when I first arrived, I'd been on a plane for about 23 hours. I flew from Ohio down to Georgia, and then from Georgia to California, and then finally from Los Angeles to Sydney. Altogether, it was about 23 hours, 15 hour time difference, and crossing the international dateline, so I was quite tired. Got an Uber, and I made it to my hotel at about 8 a.m. local time, and surprisingly enough, they actually had a room ready for me, so I uh, got up to my room, took a nice hot shower, explored around the uh, hotel, the mini bar, the wonderful bidet because I was not in the U.S., and then I uh, decided to go out and explore for a little bit. It's crazy how much energy you can have when you're excited to go somewhere. I uh, left the hotel and decided to do some sightseeing. Got on my phone and I looked up on Apple Maps the uh, some of the sites nearby. Found out I was quite close to a shopping center. I wasn't too far from the Sydney Opera House and really a lot of the things available in Sydney was right there. So the first stop I made was to get an Opal card. Now if you've never been to New South Wales, Australia, an Opal card is your transport card. It allows you access to the trains, ferries, and bus system that roll all throughout the city. You pay per either day, you can get a week pass or you can do individual transits. I got a week long pass and it basically gave me unlimited rides anywhere I needed to go so it was pretty great. <clears throat> I used it quite often and uh, you know one of the first things I did was go to the bank and once I got to the bank I went to the uh, ATM or the ABM and withdrew some currency. I like to carry currency for the different countries where I visit just because I like to compare them to you know, US currency from where I live. Australian currency like many other countries is different colors for different banknotes and they have both one and two dollars in coins which I really wish the US would adopt because let's just face it it's weird to carry bills for a dollar. Um, maybe you think contrary but that's okay. So I had some bills and uh, I decided I should do some shopping, went around, saw some things, went to the mall. One of the things that was really cool about it when I went to make any purchases was, <clears throat> this is in 2015, so it was right before the Apple Watch debuted in Australia, but it had already come out in the US. So I had one, complete with my NFC payments. Because every bank and credit card in the entire country of Australia has near-field communication or NFC chips in it, I was able to use Apple Pay even before it was released in Australia. So that meant everywhere I went, I was paying with my watch, and people were dumbfounded and surprised the entire time because they were like, oh my gosh, that's so cool, because they don't have that feature there. So there I was in the middle of Sydney, which is not the capital. The capital of Australia is Canberra, but everybody seems to think it's Sydney because it's the most popular city. It's what everybody knows of when they think of Australia. Either way, Canberra is also in New South Wales, so I guess it's okay. Anyway, going back to the NFC payments and using my Apple Watch, everybody, everywhere accepted NFC, even if it was just a coffee cart where I could get a flat white or the shopping mall where I bought some clothes, 
restaurant where I got some food. Literally everywhere I went, I could use my Apple Watch to pay, and it was amazing. Much like Canada, when you go out to eat, the server brought the terminal to the table where I could swipe my card, or in this case, just turn my wrist over and pay with my Apple Watch. So I didn't have to physically hand my credit card to anybody, which I really enjoy doing. I don't know why we don't do that in the States. But I mentioned that I got a flat white at the coffee carts, and you can find the coffee carts everywhere, just like uh, in New York City hot dog vendors. <clears throat> but the flat white is invented in Australia or New Zealand, depending on who you ask, and it's kind of like a mini latte. So it's a little bit smaller in size, a little bit less foam, but you still get your 60 milliliters of espresso with a little bit of foam milk at the top, which is great for a morning beverage. After that, I typically just went with a standard espresso, 60 milliliters or two ounces. But either way, I could still pay with my Apple Watch, so that made me pretty happy. One of the big things I notice about when I'm traveling around outside of the United States is some staples that I always have to pick up. As weird as it may sound, the first one of those is a Kit Kat bar. Now, if you're also here in the States, you're well aware that uh, Hershey's has the licensing right to Kit Kat, but that's only in the United States. Outside of the U.S., Nestle makes Kit Kat. And if you've ever had Nestle chocolate compared to Hershey's chocolate, Nestle's chocolate is a lot richer in taste and doesn't taste like corn syrup and wax. So I love getting a Kit Kat bar when I'm outside of the U.S. because it tastes a hundredfold better. The next thing I found quite interesting was Hungry Jacks. And if you've ever been to Burger King, then you already know what Hungry Jacks is. It's the same thing. When Burger King decided to do some of their international uh, stores, they had some licensing issues with the name Burger King in Australia, so they just changed the name to Hungry Jacks. Same logo, etc. Oddly enough, Hungry Jacks never really updated to the Burger King logo or the style even though the name was uh, different. So you can still, in this present day, see the old school Burger King logo, although it'll say Hungry Jacks. The menu is the same, um, but they do have a few different uh, like combo differences. And again, it could be regional or just uh, one of the features they have there, kind of like a, a box where you get uh, a burger and some chicken nuggets, french fries, and a soda. Which uh, I'm not really sure if we have that same thing here. I'm not a big Burger King Hungry Jacks goer, but Again, I had to visit just to uh, say I'd been there, right? <clears throat> um, another thing about the food is they had the macaron everywhere. And a macaron, sometimes people call them macaroons, but a macaroon is a weird coconut type of biscuit cookie thing. And a macaron is a French, although some will say Italian, uh, almond-based cookie, which are amazing. It's kind of uh, almond paste and a meringue with something in the middle, whether it's a ganache or a jam or something of that sort, and they were everywhere. <clears throat> one of my favorite desserts of all time, so I was definitely pleased to see one. So I was kind of in a food coma heaven there, being able to get some of my favorite foods <clears throat> that I can't always get or find easily in the U.S. Um, in the mornings, before I went out to the office or did some sightseeing, I did happen to uh, eat a lot of muesli and yogurt. And muesli was my first time having that. It is very similar to granola. However, granola is mostly sugar and not things that are healthy for you, although we typically think of granola as healthy. Muesli is similar to granola, only it's actually good for you. So that was kind of fun. Um, on other occasions, I would actually have uh, 
crepe au caramel or with uh, Nutella, and that was amazing, but a little sweet for the uh, early morning hours. Another really cool thing about Australia is the Tim Tams. Now, they sell Tim Tams in the U.S. under the name Arnott's, which is just the company that makes them, but there was uh, some registered trademark disagreements or whatever that prevented Tim Tams from being sold in the U.S. under the name Tim Tam. But you can get them at specialty stores, uh, cost plus for market, etc. here in the U.S. Basically, it's a chocolate biscuit with a chocolate cream in it, and it's just amazing. So if you've never had one, I uh, highly recommend it. You can visit my webpage to see some images of Tim Tams, as well as uh, I'll try to find the American variants to post on there, so you can find them in the States. One of the other things that I did was, uh, while I was out shopping, I found a department store called David Jones. And David Jones is really similar to what you would call like Macy's or um, Bloomingdale's, something like that. Just a regular department store. And uh, I didn't really have any specific reason of going there, but I really wanted to get a taste of what the average person would do or where the average person would go to buy some clothes that wasn't necessarily a specialty store inside the mall. So I went there. It was pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> nothing overly crazy or exciting, but, uh, you know, shopping mall and uh, store all the same. Because I had the Opal card, I had the ability to uh, visit a lot of landmarks or go a lot of places that my own two feet didn't want to readily take me. Although I did use Uber a few times, uh, the easiest way to get around was definitely through the train and bus system. Uh, it's incredibly efficient and always on time. And thanks to the wonderful usage of smartphones, I can get public transit directions that lets me know where I need to go and what time the train leaves. So uh, it was perfect. I went down to the Keys and spelled Q-U-A-Y. That is key, not quay. <laughs> A lot of people seem to make that mistake. Um, it does come from the French key, um, and uh, so that's where you get the pronunciation. So if you see Q-U-A-Y whilst traveling to an island or a place surrounded by water, um, it is key, not quay. And uh, through those, I took a couple fairies out uh, to the zoo, although I didn't go into the zoo because I'm allergic to pet dander and didn't want to pay to go see a bunch of animals that I can just find pictures of online. But I did go out to uh, Manly Beach and uh, just kind of rode out on the ferry, saw the Sydney Opera House from the water, and just really got to explore more of the, the countryside, if you will, of Australia rather than right in the middle of Sydney in the big city. I also had the opportunity to see the uh, botanical gardens, and that was really cool, getting to look through all the flora and fauna. <clears throat> and then, um, you know, I'd come back to the city, and uh, one of the coolest things about being in any city, whether it's uh, Sydney, Australia, Paris, France, or even your hometown, is people watching. One of the cool things about people watching is you never know what to expect. So while I was in Sydney, it was whilst uh, Les Miserables was going on at uh, the opera. And although I didn't go see Les Mis live, uh, you know, there tend to be a lot of people walking around in public square or downtown in the city center. One day I'm walking down the street and I look over and I see a group of people all dressed as Spider-Man. And it really confused me. I had no idea why there was this gang of Spider-Men. So I asked uh, my friend with whom I was spending my time, and he says, I have no idea, man. Well, later on, I realized that I was there the day before the city of Sydney, Australia broke the Guinness Book of World Records 
for the most people simultaneously dressed up as Spider-Man. So on 28th of July, 2015, 438 people in Australia were all dressed up as our web-slinging hero. I got to see it, so that was pretty cool. <clears throat> uh, that same year, Australia broke several world records, like the most skinny dippers at one time. But unfortunately, that was nowhere near where I was, so uh, I got to see the, see the people dressed as Spider-Man. Aside from uh, <laughs> that wonderful tidbit of getting to see multiple people dressed as Spider-Man, um, I really enjoy seeing just regular everyday life and people stopping at a cafe and grabbing a coffee or people getting dinner. Um, you know, a lot of outdoor seating. When I went, it was summertime in the U.S., but wintertime in Australia. And even in the winter, it never got below 15 degrees Celsius or 60 Fahrenheit. So, you know, during the day it was even warmer. So a light jacket was really all I needed any day of the week. So there were always people sitting outside, you know, enjoying their bottle of wine or coffee and uh, you know, having a meal. And that was uh, heaps fun because you can, you know, just go around and, and sit outside. And it kind of reminded me of that European feel that I love so much. The people with whom I spent my time were actually from the United Kingdom. So even though the Australian accent is very distinct, I uh, spent most of the time with British people. So although I heard Australian English all around me day in and day out, I communicated in a British accent the whole time. Um, which is quite entertaining with uh, for my colleagues or my comrades or whomever you'd like to call it at the time because we uh, would all reminisce about 1970s and 80s British television show even though I wasn't alive in the 70s. Um, I've always been a fan of, uh, of what I call Britcoms or just British life in general. I uh, quite enjoy the United Kingdom. But we would talk about a lot of uh, pop culture references from yesteryear, a lot of Monty Python and John Cleese and even more recent things like the in-betweeners. But we talked a lot about are you being served and uh, some of the slang terms that um, most people that are not from the UK are not uh, aware of, which you know, kind of gave me that instant in for that crowd. A lot of times it's difficult traveling as an American because American people definitely have stereotypes about uh, they themselves and how they act. Uh, they very much tend to be arrogant, and um, they're not well-favored around the world. So I try to make a point to uh, be very open to others and make sure that I uh, do my research on understanding their culture or at least other people's cultures so I don't peg myself as that stereotypical American. And I did a very good job of that, and I'm very proud of that uh, facet. Uh, one of the interesting things about that in itself was I would speak with more of a British overtone to my accent, but I would still use Australian slang because that's what I heard when I was not with my, uh, my group. Um, you know, if it's 3 o'clock in the morning and I'm walking down the streets of Sydney, there are very few things open except for pie face, which I really wish I had here where I live. Um, but pie face is just a chain restaurant that sells meat pies. And most of the civilized world outside of the United States <clears throat> is very adamant about their meat pies. And everybody thinks they make them best. So Nigeria is very common for their meat pies. Uh, South Africa has their own meat pies. The United Kingdom has meat pies. And of course, Australia. 
Um, I've only had them in Australia and in uh, the UK, so I can't speak to others, but uh, they are excellent. And if you've never had a meat pie, I highly suggest Googling a recipe or leaving the country to get one. Uh, the really, it's the best thing I can compare it to for an American audience would be a chicken pot pie without the chicken or the sauce. So it's a, it's a heavier, typically minced meat, uh, beef, lamb, etc. Um, some, maybe some mashed potatoes in there, some veg, and it's just baked into a crust. Kind of like a hot pocket that actually tastes good and that's not frozen or microwaved. And that's a meat pie. So you get a little bit of minced beef and some gravy with mashed potatoes and you eat that at 3 o'clock in the morning and it's one of the best things you've ever had in your life. I top it off with uh, an, you know, another flat white and you've just fell into a little uh, spot of Australian heaven. <clears throat> Aside from the meat pies you know, and the, uh, the macarons, the little cookies that I would eat, you know, it wasn't uh, like it was a crazy um, culture shock spending time in Sydney. People are people everywhere you go. Obviously, it was a lot more walking, but you know, in all, I think people have the same basic needs. They want to be respected, and they want to respect you. They want a conversation, and they want to go about their business. So it's fun to kind of sit back and watch the people a little bit, see how they interact with their lives, talk to the crazy old man on the ferry that won't leave you alone even when you put sunglasses on, and put your earphones in, he doesn't get the hint. Um, but you know, maybe he was lonely and needed somebody to talk to and nobody else would listen, so I got stuck being that guy. And that's okay. You know, maybe when uh, you wake up in the morning and the bellhop asks if you know you need to get a taxi or you need help with your luggage, a lot of people just walk past him and ignore him. Just say no thanks, you know, be good to people. And uh, a little kindness goes a long way. Especially if you're an American and you're traveling, because you already have the cards stacked up against you. Uh, in all, I guess Australia is very similar to everywhere else I've gone. Uh, aside from the fact that uh, you know the price is a little bit different, the currency looks a little bit different. Some of the food options are a little uh, a little crazy, but you know, in all, it's uh, it's still a Westernized nation that is just happens to be in the the South Pacific. Um, you know, the demographics are very interesting in Australia and Sydney because it is you know, kind of the tech hub. It's where all the commerce is. So you have a lot of you know, white people, mostly from the United Kingdom there. Uh, there are a fair amount of American people. And there's also a large influx of people from the subcontinent, whether it's India, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, etc. You know, Filipino due to the proximity of those islands and those countries. But unlike in the United States, although it's not perfect, it's definitely more of a melting pot than you know, like we have in the States, the lumpy stew, where people do typically tend to live and work in more harmony than uh, we do here in the U.S. We definitely like to segregate ourselves here. And not that it doesn't happen in Sydney, but I think it does happen a lot less, at least in my experience. And, you know, I could be completely wrong in that. I was only there for a week. I didn't spend, you know, 20 odd years of life there. So, uh, you know, I'll leave that one up to you to figure out. But really, in the end, you know, whether it's to see 438 people dressed as Spider-Man or it's to go get some uh, Nestle chocolates, 
or a flat white at the home of the flat white, then uh, you know Sydney's definitely worth the trip. It's expensive uh, to get there, and it's a long flight, but it's well worth it. You know the experiences are great. <clears throat> the shopping mall is closed at 4 p.m. unless it's Thursday or Friday. But you know there are other things that you can do, and uh, again I highly recommend that you go. But once you go and you look at the the crystal blue water and you're out on the ferry and you just experience life there. It's so much different in such subtle ways. And I really think it's worth a visit. So next time you're planning your holiday and you're trying to find a place to go, I would like to throw my two cents worth that uh, spending a week in Sydney, New South Wales, Australia is definitely worth the time. And uh, you know, look online, book a trip, find a discount, do what you need to do, pay with your Apple Watch or your uh, Android Pay everywhere you go. Don't carry cash, and it's uh, definitely worthwhile. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed my uh, rant about Sydney, Australia. For additional information, please feel free to check out the website at mechzalbi.com. That's M-E-C-Z-A-R-B-I. One final thought, since we did talk a little bit about Australia, let me give you just a few slang terms before we head out. Make sure that uh, when you're out and you uh, have some mosquitoes, you call them mozzies. But be careful, in the UK, a muzzy is a very inappropriate term for a Muslim person. You can also... Uh, if you are a Canadian and you're a fan of the Roots uh, clothing brand, you might want to be careful because uh, rooting in Australia is a slang term for an inappropriate act of a sexual nature. And then finally, uh, when we want to say that there's uh, a lot of something or something is uh, very good, or you, we, uh, we're going to say heaps. So we'll say uh, there's heaps time or it's heaps good or he puts heaps uh, ketchup on there. So again, thanks for listening and have a great rest of your day.